Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cothogenics Journey. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Gallitzer. We are discussing his new book, Outstanding Health, and the tools that you can use to achieve outstanding health. He's my physician, and he has changed my life. This is part three of a four-part series with Dr. G. I was shocked in this segment to hear that there is a more significant health risk than high cholesterol, high blood pressure, being overweight, and cigarette smoking combined. Wow. This is why I love doing these podcasts, because we're always learning new ways to improve our health as we start searching for answers. Also, I got Dr. G to talk in this podcast about some of the cutting-edge treatments he uses in his practice. Let's get started. Okay, today we're continuing my conversation with my friend and physician, Dr. Michael Gallitzer. As we discussed before, Dr. Michael Gallitzer is a leading physician and innovator in the field of integrative medicine, longevity, and anti-aging. And he's a nationally recognized expert in energy medicine and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. So we're continuing going through the book and let's move on to the fourth essential key to creating outstanding health that you discuss in the book. And that is to ignite your energy and create an energizing lifestyle. I know that everyone's looking for, uh, I know I am, sustained energy throughout the day. And we've already talked about how passion and purpose can help achieve this. But in your book, you talk about exercise, sleep, and surprisingly, teeth. We'll take the first most obvious ones uh, in the beginning here, exercise. You state that uh, regular exercise is a more significant health factor than high cholesterol, high blood pressure, being overweight, and cigarette smoking combined. Uh, wow, uh, sounds like we should be exercising. Absolutely, uh, Jamie, just like, uh, you know, again, you got a picture that you've got a Ferrari there for a buddy, and just like you want to uh, feed it high octane fuel, which is food, uh, you want to take it to the racetrack, and you want to, uh, you know, push it out and make it move, and uh, you've got to do that frequently. Uh, there's no excuse to not exercise. I've kind of heard uh, all the excuses out there, whereas uh, uh, I wake up too early, I'm too tired too early, I work too hard, I'm too tired at the end of the day, uh, there's no time, uh, all those kind of things. You just got to really move your body. And, uh, you know, there's aerobic exercise and there's strength training. Uh, both are very, very important. And so... Uh, Aerobic uh, exercise is obviously exercise that increases your heart rate, increases your oxygen consumption by the body. Uh, and treadmill is great. Uh, stationary bicycle is great. Uh, Stairmaster, stair climber is great. Basically, anything that you like to do, I would say, would be the recommendation for aerobic exercise, whether it be tennis. Uh, and again, uh, the important thing is to go out there and do it. Now, if you're trying to lose weight, Probably a good idea to exercise first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. And the reason being is that uh, if you don't eat after dinner, then between that time and exercise in the, the next morning, there's about 10 to 12 hours. And basically, your body can only store a limited amount of sugar in the muscles and in the liver. So if you then start exercising first thing in the morning with either a cup of coffee or green tea, 
and then add a thousand milligrams of carnitine helps burn fat you move into fat burning much quicker so a great way to exercise to lose weight would be to do it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach with green tea or coffee plus carnitine so i know they talk a lot about today about this high intensity training and i realize that's uh it's different for most people. So can you explain what that is and why that could be important too? Absolutely. That's a, that's a more productive type of exercise in terms of uh, fat breakdown, uh, increased uh, oxygen delivery, uh, and increased uh, feeling of well-being. And what, basically what you can do with that kind of exercise is to say you're on a bicycle. You can bike for about one minute at a regular speed. And then for 30 seconds, you can bike very, very quickly, as fast as you can. Uh, then go back to a minute stationary or in the stationary position. And then another 30 seconds as fast as you can. Uh, you can probably do uh, twice as much and get twice as much accomplished in about half as much time. So it's a very, very beneficial exercise. And the real purpose behind this, Jamie, is to stress your heart uh, by going from uh, slow to fast, back to slow to fast. And basically, uh, the more you can stress your heart in a healthy way, the more your heart's able to respond to any kind of a stressful situation down the line. So it's a great exercise to protect your heart and a great exercise to lose weight and a more productive exercise and that requires a lot less time than the traditional aerobic exercise. And probably in a lot of ways, it's it's fun too because it's not the, the same one hour or 30 minute exercise you do on the treadmill. Uh, you're creating some uh, moments there where you're actually really getting your heart rate moving. Absolutely. And again, you can do it on the treadmill, stationary bicycle, stair climber, whatever way you want to do it, whatever way works for you uh, is really a great uh, form of exercise. Actually, tennis is kind of an interesting high-intensity interval uh, exercise in that you're very active, and then after the point's over, you know, there's that pause, and then you get to being very active again, too. So... Uh, any way you want to do it, uh, just enjoy it. Yep, that, that makes sense. Now, I do a lot of strength training in the last few years, changing from running. Uh, so now I incorporate strength training. I guess the thought behind that for me was, uh, you know, I obviously wanted to be able to lift things and get out of the chair. And, uh, and also it seemed important for developing my bone strength. So I'm... Uh, I guess you're a believer in strength training as well to be incorporated somewhere in all that. Absolutely. You can do strength training with weights. You can do it with machines. Uh, you can do it uh, without either of them. You don't have to go to the gym. You can do push-ups, pull-ups, uh, uh, squats, uh, thrusts. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that you can uh, strength train. I think it's very, very important. And I think that uh, you know some people go to the gym and will do aerobics one day and strength training the next day. Some do. Uh, some people do uh, aerobics first, followed by strength training within that session. Whatever way you want to do it, I think it's an important uh, element of exercise in addition to the aerobic uh, exercise that you're going to do. Makes sense to me. Now, one of the things I've really noticed too is, and I've made a conscious effort to improve the quality of my sleep, is it really does have an impact on my energy. Uh, you mentioned it in the book that it's important to get healthy sleep for proper regeneration. What would be some guidelines for people uh, to achieve healthy, healthy sleep? Well, you've already had one, which would be regular exercise uh, in the morning. 
there's so many things that you can do to improve your sleep. First of all, uh, it's important to finish eating three hours before you go to sleep. You don't want to really go to sleep on a full stomach. Um, also important if you're going to drink alcohol to stop four hours before you go to sleep. Again, alcohol can really interfere with sleep. It's important to have your bedroom dark. It's important to have no uh, electrical equipment in, the, in your bedroom on, like uh, an electric alarm clock. Uh, the cell phone uh, should probably be outside of the bedroom. Uh, a lot of people have portable phones, and this, uh, the base of the portable phone, Jamie, emits a electromagnetic charge that basically isn't really healthy at all. So get the electrical or the portable phones out, get the cell phones out of your room, turn off the TV. Keep your room as uh, electrically quiet as possible. We're really sensitive to this electromagnetic energy more at night than during the day. If you can, sleep with your head to the north. Uh, very, very important because that seems to be the most ideal uh, position. Now, a lot of people can't really redesign their bedrooms, so it's not that easy sometimes to uh, sleep with your head to the north. Another thing that most people don't realize is that adequate sunlight is really, really important because adequate sunlight during the day lowers your cortisol at night. And cortisol at night, if it's high, can keep you up at night and prevent you from falling asleep. Now, there are a lot of people, uh, I hope you're not one of them, Jamie, but would love to play with their uh, cell phone or their computer late at night. And uh, what they're finding now is that there's a blue color that's emitted from the screen of both the cell phone and the computer. And that blue color can interfere with sleep. So there's an app, a free app that you can get on your uh, uh, computer, whether it be a Mac or a uh, IBM PC. And it's a called F is in Frank period Lux, L-U-X. It's a free app that'll change the screen and get rid of that blue color. Now, the new iPhones, the latest uh, software upgrade on the new iPhones has it already incorporated. And you just go to, uh, I think it's display. And under display, you'll see uh, uh, a thing called night, uh, N-I-G-H-T. And you can just move that dial over to um, a warmer color. And your screen will actually go a little more orange uh, from uh, time it gets dark until the time the sun rises in the morning. So really, really important to get rid of that blue color. Some people actually will use orange glasses while they're uh, at the computer during the night to, again, get rid of the blue color that seems to really interfere with people's ability to sleep. So there's an enormous amount of things that one can do. There's supplements that you can take. There's, uh, I think melatonin is a great thing for sleep. Uh, some people do well with tryptophan, magnesium, chamomile tea. So there's a lot of things that uh, one can do to ensure that, you know, this time of sleep, which is really uh, the time that we regenerate, the time that growth hormones release in the first two hours of sleep. Uh, and really, the way we go to sleep is really, really important. And so that five-minute period before you go to sleep, extremely important. Now, some people are going to go, well, what do I have to do tomorrow? Or, boy, this is a bad day, or uh, I've got all these things. But people will go in that five-minute period into the wrong kind of mental attitude. And you really need a great mental attitude in that last five minutes because you're going to move into your subconscious. Uh, sleep is a time when the subconscious awakens, so to speak. Speak. And uh, the more that you can give positive feedback to your subconscious in those five minutes, the better your sleep's going to be and the better your next day is going to be.
So I'd go to sleep with tomorrow's going to be a great day. I'm going to have a great night's sleep. I'm not going to wake up and all is well. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's great advice. Uh, the last thing you want to do before you go to bed is start worrying about what you're going to do tomorrow. It, that isn't a good thing. We've all done it. But So now, what the heck is up with uh, teeth as energy zappers? I mean, I guess um, I knew that uh, the teeth were important for your physical health, and people should have rent regular dental appointments because you don't want infections that could lead to heart attacks or other things. But how do they zap your energy? Well, uh, a few different ways, uh, Jeremy. Periodontitis, uh, periodontal disease, inflammation in your gums uh, has been associated with heart disease. Uh, you know, the bugs get into your uh, gums and uh, not a healthy thing to do at all. There are other really, really important things within the teeth. One is the mercury fillings. Those old silver mercury fillings are 50% silver, 50% mercury. Uh, the mercury leaks over time, and mercury has an affinity for the uh, kidneys, for the whole genitourinary system, for the hormonal system. It's a real toxin. And uh, mercury, I've seen, can undermine so many people's uh, health. I once had a uh, patient who uh, a year previously had swallowed a mercury filling accidentally, and then a year later, developed abdominal pain, they took him to the operating room and found a cancer in the small intestine. Inside the cancer was the mercury filling. So I've seen mercury and mercury toxicity associated with so many, so many illnesses, uh, so many chronic illnesses. Uh, the, thing about, the second thing about mercury is that in the presence of saliva, mercury can cause electrical currents in the mouth. I once, uh, and those electrical currents can override the currents in the brain uh, and can be potentiated by uh, cell phones to your ear, sitting in front of a computer screen. So basically, you know, it's almost like you're, you've got your head in a microwave oven where these EMFs uh, generated by the mercury fillings are being amplified by cell phones and computers. And I once had a guy who uh, came to me saying that he heard radio stations in his head and that he could only sleep in a trailer by the beach. And, you know, I had just started this work. It was about 30 years ago. I thought the guy was crazy. But it belonged in the ER where I used to hang out. And it turns out he had a mouthful of mercury fillings. When we took out the mercury, the, the music stopped. So mercury fillings, again, electrical currents, number one, and also amazing uh, toxic substance to, to the body. Now, the other uh, thing that we need to look at is our root canals. Root canals are basically uh, are done because of an infection in the tooth that gets down to the pulp. Uh, and they're, you know, cleaned out uh, by an endodontist. And essentially, there's so many tiny little root canals that it's almost impossible to make sure that the tooth is bacteria-free. And so some of these root canals can act up. Now, there are connections between the teeth and the organs. And like the front teeth are connected to the kidneys, where the eye teeth are connected to the liver and the bile ducts. And there's been a lot of research that shows, uh, with women in particular, that root canals in the molar teeth can be associated with breast cancer. So root canals can be a big deal. Not all root canals are bad. Again, they should be evaluated by your dentist or a biological dentist. But root canals, periodontal disease, and mercury fillings are probably the three big issues uh, that can impact our health. I put together this special series of conversations with some of the leaders in integrative healthcare to give you the tools I used to achieve optimal health. 
If you want to regain your youthful energy and look and feel years younger, my company, Clothogenics, can apply the discoveries in gene science to your genetic profile to determine the best diet, supplements, and exercise program for your body and its metabolic factors. We analyze 260 different gene variants to prepare a truly individual program for you for diet, exercise, supplements to achieve optimal health. You also get a 90-minute consultation to discuss your program, and we can arrange follow-up consultations to answer questions, provide updates, and to discuss your progress. Call me today at 1-866-761-7773 or go to my website, clothogenics.com, K-L-O-T-H-O-G-E-N-I-C-S to find out how easy it is to get your genetic profile and get started. There's no better way to achieve your health goals than this. So now we uh, kind of get it to the part where someone who's looking for outstanding health really needs the help of a trained integrative physician like you. And I know you're uh, very excited about energy medicine protocols, and so I want to talk a lot about that today, but also bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And now that I've been a patient of yours for several years, I know that your body is first and foremost an energy system. We've spoken a lot about that. And today we talked about how we as individuals can try to achieve sustained energy. But in your practice, you employ a bunch of different protocols to, uh, in the energy medicine area. And so one of those that I know is a big part of that is this electrodermal screening. So what is that exactly? I obviously go, so I know a little bit about it, but explain it to our listeners, and how does it work? Uh, nice simple question. I'd like to know. Oh, you would, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe you should read the book, Jim. Yeah, no, that's funny. Uh, electrodermal screening, I was introduced in 1986 uh, again, and uh, it came out of Germany in the 50s and 60s, a Dr. Voll, V-O-L-L, uh, had studied acupuncture intensively and had uh, found that uh, the different acupuncture meridians, which are energy conduits, which correspond to the organs, he could actually measure the skin resistance with the machine at different points on that meridian. And he basically was able to find that uh, when the skin resistance changed at a certain point, it corresponded to a, a certain part of the organ to which that meridian was associated with. And so this uh, was the beginning of what's called uh, EAV, or electroacupuncture, uh, according to Vol, EAV as in Victor. And uh, he was also able to realize that if he were to put a medication or a homeopathic or an herb in circuit uh, with the patient's body, and if, if it was helpful for the patient, it would uh, return the skin resistance back to normal. So increased skin resistance indicated a problem, and uh, the medication or the herb or the supplement that reduced that increased skin resistance uh, was the treatment and the solution. And uh, so electroacupuncture according to Vol was born. I use it in my practice for about 30 years, more so for not as much for the diagnosis because there are other ways to make the diagnosis, uh, but more so to find out exactly 
what a person needs. Uh, you know, I've found over the years that if you think a person needs something like, uh, well, you need this and everybody with this needs that, uh, it never seems to work out. Uh, because basically whatever substance you're using, whether it be an antibiotic, an antidepressant, a uh, vitamin, mineral, or a food, in order for it to be great for the person, it must be effective and it must be tolerated. And so uh, a lot of the things that you think will work for some people just won't work for the person in front of you there while you're testing. So it's been a great, great aid. Uh, an example of something that's very effective but poorly tolerated would be cancer chemotherapy. Uh, again, it works, but it hurts the body. So. Uh, the real use for electrodermal screening is to determine exactly what will help the person, what antibiotic, uh, what antidepressant. So we don't guess anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm able to give the uh, person, the patient, uh, the exact uh, set of formulas, foods, supplements, nutrients, medication necessary uh, that that person needs at that time. And honestly, I feel that if you're not doing that kind, if you don't have a way to measure that with the patient, some people can do it with muscle testing. You're really not as complete as a physician as, as you should be. That's, I mean, that really sounds like that's a critical component because obviously you want to give people things that are going to help them and their body's going to be tolerated by it. And there's many things that you can offer, but uh, you want to make sure you're giving them the right thing. And I know uh, one of the things that uh, we do when we're together in your uh, my physician helping me out is you use a lot of homeopathic drops uh, which provide that that treatment and you test all those through electrodermal screening as well correct we use herbs and homeopathic specifically for uh, many different situations and basically homeopathy are, has been around since the 1780s uh, the philosophy of homeopathic is basically or homeopathics is uh, that things that can substances that can cause illness in a healthy person in large doses can be used to treat symptoms of an unhealthy person in small doses. So, say twelve cups of coffee cause you to be, you know, can't sleep or have insomnia. You can use homeopathic coffee uh, to treat insomnia in another person. So, whatever causes symptoms in a large dose can be used to treat symptoms uh, in small doses. And so that was the original classical homeopathy and you know when a person did uh, sort of classical homeopath that person would probably uh, have like an hour and a half session where the homeopath would evaluate your physical symptoms and then your next most important were your emotional symptoms and then your mental symptoms and he would try to find a substance that would uh, again work on all three levels uh, you know the interesting thing was that uh, very difficult very long training and uh, these substances would be given in, in, a, in a micro dose and you know the critics of homeopathy said well there's nothing in there you know above 23 times or 23x or 23 dilutions of 10 there's nothing in there but there's energy in the substance well people ridiculed that and said well how can you give something that uh, has nothing in it so the homeopathy that I use is complex homeopathy where the dilutions are one part per million one part per 10,000. These still have a, uh, a physiological effect and uh, really are really kind of the safest, purest form of treatment that there is out there. And so we use complex homeopathy where for working on the liver, 
I've developed formulas for these. We will, I will use six or seven substances that have been found to work for the liver, put them together in, in a synergistic uh, pattern, and uh, found this to be incredibly valuable. So homeopathy is uh, really, really important. Now, the interesting thing about people still poo-poo homeopathy, but you know, let me give you a situation where you swallow a vitamin or you swallow a drug, and it gets broken down in your stomach, gets further broken down in your intestines by the pancreatic enzymes, and then gets absorbed from the small intestine to the liver. And when it gets to the liver, it then uh, goes through the liver, the liver processes it, sends it out into the bloodstream where it goes through the right heart, to the lungs, to the left heart, through the aorta, to the arteries, to the arterioles, to the capillaries. Now, while it's being, uh, or traveling through the bloodstream, as you know, the heart beats. So it's being shaken, just like a homeopathic would be shaken. Uh, so it's been shaken and diluted, just like a homeopathic, which is made from an herb uh, or, or a mineral, is shaken and diluted. So by the time this uh, drug or supplement gets to the cell, it is homeopathic, it is diluted, it is shaken. So you, one could argue that everything winds up being homeopathic once it gets to the cellular level. Very interesting. Well, and I guess for uh, people listening too, it's important to uh, think that we're do you can use this energy medicine for really multiple purposes. I'm talking about achieving outstanding health, but obviously you can use energy medicine to actually treat diagnose, treat real problems with people too. This isn't just things that uh, you're using to achieve optimal health. You're actually helping people who have issues in this way as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the uh, traditional medicine basically sees health as the absence of disease, which is not quite what I see it as. Now, obviously, if you don't have a disease, you'll be healthier than when you had a disease. But you're not going to have outstanding health just by uh, treating a disease with uh, with medications. Now, it's obviously it's obviously important, you know, for hospitalized patients to receive drugs to help them get rid of their disease. But in no way are they going to become or acquire outstanding health through the elimination of disease. So, basically, when we're looking at the organs uh, in in the energy medicine arena. We're really not looking at diseased organs, but sluggish organs, organs that are not working as efficiently uh, or as uh, effectively as they should be. And so, uh, as an example, if you've got, there's a physical liver, which is basically, you can see that on a abdominal ultrasound. There's a chemical liver, which you can see on liver enzymes. And basically, when there are abnormalities there, uh, that's more in the disease category. But there's an electrical liver which is at a deeper level, just like there's an electrical heart, uh, which you measure with an EKG, an electrical uh, brain that you measure with an EEG, there's an electrical liver that's supposed to get rid of the toxins. And uh, basically, if you say I've had hepatitis in the past, which obviously affects your chemical liver on blood tests, your electrical liver is never gonna be quite right. And so treating with homeopathy, herbs, acupuncture, can help restore the balance in your electrical liver. So energy medicine, electrical medicine says there's a deeper level to the organs, that those levels can be assessed and treated very successfully with multiple modalities. One of the things I've been uh, playing around with over the last few months is heart rate variability. I bought a heart rate monitor and 
uh, utilize a phone app to measure my heart rate variability. I know you use it in your practice. That's kind of how I found out about it. And uh, it's been very interesting to me. Mostly I'm using it to determine whether I've recovered from a workout yesterday or what type of workout should I do today based on where I'm at. But I guess it has a lot to do with the autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. How do you use it in your practice? What does it measure? Obviously, you believe it's important. Uh, Correct. Uh, One of the most important areas to look at in the body. Uh, The autonomic nervous system or the automatic nervous system or the subconscious nervous system, abbreviated ANS, is the system that controls things uh, that we don't have to think about, our next breath, our next heartbeat, our blood pressure, digestion. And uh, the health of that is paramount. And probably the autonomic nervous system sits above the hormonal system, which sits above the immune system. And so that autonomic nervous system has two components, the sympathetic, your left brain, energy-producing, uh, go get them nervous system, fight or flight nervous system, and your parasympathetic, your right brain creative, regenerative, relaxation, restorative nervous system. And of the two, this uh, everybody's fairly sympathetically driven. You know, you get into your car, you're on the freeways, your sympathetic nervous system is on alert. You need your sympathetic nervous system to produce, to work, to create, to be efficient. Uh, but it's your parasympathetic nervous system, the health of which is is really really important. That's the key. And so heart rate variability is something that's been studied uh, uh, academically. Uh, Everybody knows it's important. And basically it says that the more variable your heartbeat from beat to beat, the healthier the parasympathetic nervous system is going to be and the healthier your autonomic nervous system is going to be. So if you say how to pulse is 60 and each beat, you say, well, each beat's a second, right? 60 times one. There's no variability. But if one beat is 0.96 seconds, the next beat is 0.99, then 102 in length, each beat being variable from the other, the greater that variability, the healthier the autonomic nervous system, the healthier the parasympathetic nervous system, and the healthier the person's going to be. So what we do is, uh, it's about a four-minute test where we put a strap across your uh, chest with a transducer. We have you lie down, and then we have you stand up. And basically, that's the stress going from lying to standing. It's a lot easier for the heart to get blood to the head lying down, but when you stand up, there's gravity. So that's the stress. And then we look for heart rate variability changes, both lying and standing. And it's then plotted on a graph, and we can assess the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And again, most people have a negative parasympathetic nervous system. I'd say 95% of the people that I see do. And uh, those 5% that don't are in really good shape. So it's a wonderful test, uh, one, of the, one of the few tests, uh, two tests that we use on each patient uh, as they come in for a, uh, you know, their first visit. I mean, obviously, I know you have such a great practice and you do so many things to help people out, but you're, you're doing a lot of new things. I mean, what we're talking about today, people probably have never heard of before, but I know that you use things like biophoton light therapy, uh, this pulsed electromagnetic field treatment, um, Nucom, which is a new product, intravenous light therapy, and a lot of other things uh, I don't know much about. Can you uh, tell me you know, a couple of things in your practice that you really think is interesting and really helpful that people wouldn't know anything about? Well, I'll, I'll do my best to explain. Okay. <laughs> 
So essentially, uh, as an example, the uh, patient has a heart rate variability test done in the office, and he's found to uh, have a very weak parasympathetic nervous system and frequently correlates to a sluggish liver and tired adrenal glands. And so uh, would, we would treat that with, uh, say, homeopathy, uh, herbs, to get the liver to work more efficiently as a, uh, uh, to excrete toxins. We'd also treat the adrenal glands with uh, all sorts of vitamin C, vitamin D, B-complex, uh, DHEA, adrenal glandulars, licorice, uh, rhodiola, all sorts of things like that. And then we'd go into the other rooms uh, where we would apply energy. Uh, the on-demand, O-N-D-A-M-E-D, I use, is a PEMF de uh, device, pulsed electromagnetic fields. So it'll deliver frequencies that harmonize the liver. Uh, so we'll put a pad over the, you know, over the right breast and find a liver program that will uh, be beneficial for that person. We'll then take the pad and put it back over the adrenal glands and find an adrenal program. Uh, the person will then leave that room, go to another room, where we have what's called the biophoton therapy, which is basically light therapy. Photons are energy. The more photons you have, the more energy you're going to have. And uh, kids have lots of photons, and the older we get, the less photons we have. So we'll take that light energy and shine it over the liver. Uh, we'll have the person turn on their stomach, and uh, the light energy we'll put on the, uh, over the adrenals, which sit on top of the kidneys. And so those are two examples. Uh, uh, again, tired liver, tired adrenals, intravenous vitamin C helps both the liver work better and helps the adrenals get stronger. Vitamin C is a key nutrient. Everybody should be on vitamin C early. We find that intravenous vitamin C uh, gives you that energy boost uh, that's so frequently needed by people, on the, on the, certainly on the first few visits that I see them. So we've got pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. We've got uh, intravenous vitamin C therapy. We've got biophoton light therapy. And again, these are great, uh, great tools to help uh, people uh, get stronger and quicker. You know, the, the issue in LA is uh, if I could get these people back on a daily basis, they could get healthy really quick. But in LA, just trying to get them once a month is, uh, is a challenge. So, uh, you know, we do the best that we can. Uh, the NUCOM is an amazing system for uh, stress. I was, uh, we were just uh, in, uh, I was just in San Diego yesterday at the uh, Best Answer to Cancer uh, conference, and uh, NUCOM had a booth. And the NUCOM is basically a, uh, uh, and it's NUCOM.com, a system that will basically help one deal with stress. I would, I would call it the answer to stress. Uh, and basically, it's a combination of a, a tablet or a cream that you would apply, a craniolactyl sacral device, and the cream in the tablet has GABA and theanine, which help reduce anxiety and calm your body. Uh, a craniolactyl sacral device uh, with electrodes under your ears that will basically deliver the GABA to the brain, make the brain uh, more receptive to the GABA. Uh, there's a nightshade to keep your eyes closed, and then there's uh, a set of headphones with neuroacoustical software that's programmed uh, to put people in an alpha and a theta state. And so basically the per uh, person does it for about 26 minutes. You know, I've been, I do it every day. I'm sure that I've recommended to you and your wife and you love it. Everybody that has had a session with Newcom loves it. It's a great way to reduce stress, help you handle stress, help you sleep better. And I can't say enough about Newcom. It's been a great, great uh, 
positive in my practice. So, Michael, for those out there who want to purchase the book or who want to contact you about being a patient, can you give our listeners a website and your contact information? Sure, Jamie. You can contact me. Uh, you can buy the book and contact me at, uh, by going to drgalitzer.com, D-R-G-A-L-I-T-Z-E-R.com. And that's a great way to uh, see what I do and see what's on the website and uh, get more information about uh, the kind of work that I do. Perfect. Thank you for that.